Chapter 4. How the divine decrees are classified according to instants or events, and what God determined to communicate externally in each instant. 35. I understood that this order comprises the following instants. The first instant is, God recognizing His infinite attributes and perfections, together with the propensity, and the ineffable inclination to communicate Himself outwardly. This knowledge of God as being communicative externally comes first. The majesty of God beholding the nature of His infinite perfections, their virtue and efficacy operating with magnificence, saw that it was just and most proper and, as it were, a duty and a necessity to communicate Himself. He wished to follow that inclination of imparting and exercising His liberality and mercy by distributing outside of Himself, with magnificence, the plenitude of His infinite treasures, which are contained in the divinity. Being infinite in all things, it is much more natural that He communicate gifts and graces, then that fire should ascend or the stone should gravitate toward its center or that the sun should diffuse its light. This unfathomable depth of perfections, this affluence of treasures, this impetuous infinity of riches is set in motion by its own inclinations to communicate itself. At the same time God is in Himself conscious of the fact that to distribute gifts and graces is not to diminish His riches. Instead, it increases them in the only possible way by giving an outlet to the inexhaustible fountain of his riches. 36. All this did God see in the first instant, after the communication internally within the Trinity, by means of the eternal emanations. Seeing this he found himself, as it were, obliged in himself to communicate himself externally, perceiving that it was holy, just, merciful, and godlike to do so, therefore nothing could impede him. According to our mode of understanding, we can represent God to our minds as not being satisfied, nor at rest with Himself, until He reached the object of His desires, the creatures where and with whom, by making them partakers of His divinity and perfections, He seeks His delight. 37. In this enlightenment and knowledge which I possess, two things hold my lukewarm heart in wonder and inflame it unto annihilation. The first is the inclination and urgent desire, which I see in God, and the strong will to communicate His divinity and the treasures of His grace. The second is the unspeakable and incomprehensible immensity of the good gifts which I see He wishes to distribute according to this decree, assigning them for this purpose and yet remaining infinite, as if He had yet given nothing. In this desire and inclination which fills His majesty, I see him prepared to sanctify, justify, and overwhelm all creatures with gifts and perfections, and each creature in particular for itself. He would be ready to give to each of the creatures more than what is held by all the angels and seraphim together. Even if all the drops in the ocean and the grains of sand on their shores and all the stars, the planets and the elements, and all creatures were capable of reason and of his gifts, they would receive them without measure provided they would dispose themselves by placing no obstacle toward receiving them. O fearful malice of sin which alone is capable of holding up the impetuous stream of such great and eternal gifts. 38. The second instant was to confirm, and determine, the object and intention of this communication of the divinity externally. Namely, that it should build toward His greater glory and to the exaltation of His majesty and the manifestation of His greatness. 
This is own exaltation God saw as the end for which he would communicate himself, make himself known by his liberality in the distribution of his attributes, and set in motion his omnipotence in order that he might be known praised and glorified. 39. The third instant consisted in selecting and determining the order and arrangement, or the mode of this communication, so as to realize in an adequate manner the most exalted ends. The order namely, which is proper, should be maintained in regard to the communications of the Godhead and its divine attributes, so that this activity of the Lord may have its proper reasons and objects and so that it might proceed with the most beautiful and admirable sequence, harmony, and subordination. In this instant the first decreed was that the divine word should assume flesh and should become visible. The perfection and the composition of the most holy humanity of Christ our Lord was decreed and modeled in the divine intelligence. Secondarily, also were formed the ideals of the rest of men in imitation of the first. The divine mind prearranged the harmony and adornment of the human nature, composed of an organic body and a vivifying soul, endowed with faculties to know and enjoy its creator, to discern between good and evil and with a free will to love that same Lord. 40. I understood that this hypostatic union of the second person of the Most Holy Trinity, was the first incentive and object on account of which, before all others, the divine intelligence, and will issued externally. The reasons are so exalted that I cannot fully explain them. One of these reasons is that God, having in Himself known and loved Himself, should according to right order, know and love that which approaches most intimately to His divinity, as is the case in the hypostatic union. Another reason is that the divinity, having communicated itself internally, should also communicate itself externally. Thus the divine will and intention would begin to execute its works with the highest end in view, and his attributes would be communicated in the most beautiful order. The fire of the divinity expended itself in its fullest measure on that which was most immediately connected with it. Namely, the hypostatically united humanity. That his divinity communicated itself in the highest and most excellent degree to him, who was to be closest to God in divine knowledge and love, and share the works and the glory of the deity. For God, speaking according to our lowly comprehension, could not endanger the attainment of this end, since he alone could be an object proportionate and worthy of so wonderful an operation. It was also befitting and, as it were necessary, that if God should create many creatures, he should create them in such harmony and subordination, as would be the most admirable and glorious within the reach of possibility. In conformity with this therefore they must be subordinate to a supreme chief, who should be as far as possible united immediately with God, so that through him, they may have communication and connection with his divinity. For these and for other reasons, which I cannot explain, the dignity of the works of God could be provided for only by the incarnation of the Word, through Him creation should possess the most beautiful order, which without Him was impossible. 41. The fourth instant was to determine the gifts and graces which were to be conferred upon the humanity of Christ our Lord in union with the divinity. Here the Most High opened the liberal hands of His omnipotence, and His other attributes in order to enrich the most sacred humanity and the soul of Christ, with the highest possible plenitude of his gifts and graces. That's when the latter words of David were fulfilled when he said, The stream of the river maketh the city of God joyful, 
Psalm 45 5. When the stream of his gifts flowed toward the humanity of the word communicating to it all the infused science, the grace and goodness of which his blessed soul was capable, and which fitted that being, which was to be true God and true man, and at the same time the head of all creatures capable of grace and glory. Therefore, from this impetuous stream they might partake in the manner in which it later actually happened. 42. To this instant also, and as it were, in natural sequence, pertain the decree and predestination of the Mother of the Divine Word Incarnate. Here I understand was ordained that pure creature before anything else whatsoever. Thus, before all other creatures, she conceived in the divine mind in such manner and such state as befitted and became the dignity excellence and gifts of the humanity of her most holy Son. To her, flowed over at once and immediately, the river of the divinity and its attributes with all its impetuosity, in as far as a mere creature is capable, and as is due to the dignity of the Mother of God. 43. In the knowledge of these exalted mysteries and decrees, I confess myself ravished in admiration, and transported beyond my proper self. Perceiving this most holy and pure creature Mary, formed and conceived in the divine mind, from the very beginning and before all the ages. I joyously and exultingly magnify the omnipotent God for the admirable and mysterious decree by which He formed for us such a pure and grand, such a mysterious and godlike creature, worthy to be admired and praised by all beings, rather than to be described by any one. In my admiration I can say with St. Dionysius the Areopagite. If faith would not instruct me, and if the understanding of what I see would not teach me, that it is God, who has conceived her in his mind and who alone could and can in his omnipotence form such an image of his divinity. If all this were not present to my mind, I might begin to doubt whether the Virgin Mother may actually have divinity within herself. 44. Oh what tears flowed from my eyes, and what sorrowful astonishment possessed my soul, to see that divine prodigy not acknowledged and that wonder of the Most High not manifest to all the mortals. Much is known of it but much more is unknown, as this sealed book has not been opened. I am ravished in the perception of this tabernacle of God, and I perceive that the author of it is more admirable in Mary's creation than in that of all the rest of the world, although the diversity of the creatures manifests the wonderful power of their Creator. In this queen alone are comprehended and contained more treasures than in all the rest of things joined together. That the variety and the preciousness of her riches honor the Lord above all the multitudes of the other creatures. 45. Here, according to our way of understanding, the promise and, as it were, the contract was made with the word as to the degree of sanctity and perfection and the gifts and graces which were to be possessed by Mary his mother. Also, as to the protection support and defense, which was to be provided for this true city of God, in which His Majesty contemplated the graces and merits, which she earned for herself, as well as the fruits to be gathered for His people by the loving returns which she was to make to His Majesty. In the same instant, and as it were, in the third and last place, God determined to create a locality and an abode where the incarnate Word and His Mother should converse and dwell. For them primarily did He create the heaven and earth with its stars and elements and all that is contained in them. Secondarily, the intention and decree included the creation of the members of which Jesus was to be the head, and of whom he would be the king, in order that with kingly providence, 
all the necessary and befitting arrangements might be made beforehand. 46. I pass over to the fifth instant although in reality I have found that which I sought. In this fifth decree the creation of the angelic nature which is more excellent and more like unto the spiritual being of the divinity was determined upon. And at the same time the division or arrangement of the angelic hosts into nine choirs and three hierarchies was provided and decreed. As they are created first of all for the glory of God to assist before His divine majesty, and to know and love Him, so secondarily they are ordained to assist, glorify and honor, reverence and serve the deified humanity of the eternal word. Recognizing him as head and honoring him also in his mother, the most holy Mary, queen of these same angels. Commission was given to these angels, to bear them up in their hands in all their ways, Psalm 90:12. In this instant Christ our Lord earned for them by his infinite merits, present and foreseen, all the grace which they were to receive. He was constituted as their head, their exemplar and supreme king of whom they should be subjects. Even if the number of angels had been infinite, the merits of Christ our highest good would be abundantly sufficient to supply them all with grace. 47. To this instant belongs also the predestination of the good and the reprobation of the bad angels. God saw in it, by means of his infinite science, all the works of the former and of the latter in the propriety of predestining, by his free will and by his merciful liberality, those that would obey and give honor and of reprobating by his justice those who would rise up against his majesty in pride and disobedience on account of their disordered self-love. In the same instant was decreed the creation of the Empyrean heaven, for the manifestation of his glory, and the reward of the good. Also the earth and other heavenly bodies for the other creatures. Moreover, also in the center or depth of the earth, hell, for the punishment of the bad angels. 48. In the sixth instant was decreed the creation of a people and congregation of men for Christ, who was already formed in the divine mind and will, and according to whose image and likeness man was to be made. In order that the incarnate word might find brethren similar but inferior to himself, and a people of his own nature, of whom he might be the head. In this instant was determined the order of the creation of the whole human race, which was to begin from one man and woman and propagate itself until the virgin and her son should be born in the predestined order. On account of the merits of Christ our Savior, the graces and gifts were prearranged, and also original justice, if they would only preserve it. The fall of Adam was foreseen, and in him that of all others, except of the Queen, who did not enter into this decree. As a remedy was it ordained that the most holy humanity should be capable of suffering. The predestined were chosen by free grace and the foreknown were reprobated with exact justice. All that was convenient and necessary for the conservation of the human race, and for obtaining the end of the redemption and the predestination was preordained, without interfering with the free will of men. For such ordainment was more conformable to God's nature and to divine equity. There was no injustice done to them, for if with their free will they could sin, so too could they abstain from sin by means of grace and the light of reason. God violated the rights of no one, since he forsook no one nor denied to any one that which is necessary. Since his law is written in the hearts of men, nobody is excused for not knowing and loving him as the highest good of all creation. 49. In the perception of these mysteries, 
I saw with great clearness and force, the high motives which cause God to manifest and magnify Himself, and which should induce men to praise and adore the greatness of the Creator and Redeemer of all. I also saw how tardy they are in the acknowledgement of these obligations and in making return for these benefits. And I was made aware of the complaints and the indignation of the Most High on account of this forgetfulness. His Majesty commanded and exhorted me not to be guilty of such ingratitude, but to offer him a sacrifice of praise and a new song and that I magnify him in the name of all creatures. 50. O Most High and Incomprehensible Lord! Would that I had the love and the perfections of all the angels and the just, in order to confess and praise worthily thy greatness. I acknowledge great and mighty Lord, that such a vile creature as I cannot merit the memorable benefit of receiving this clear and exalted knowledge and light concerning thy exalted majesty. At the sight of thy greatness I perceive my littleness, which before that happy hour was unknown to me, and I was ignorant of the greatness and excellence of the virtue of humility which is learned in this science. I do not wish to say that I now possess that virtue but neither can I deny that I have been shown the certain path which leads to it. Thy light, O Most High Lord, illumines me and thy lamp shows me the paths, Psalm 118-105, so that I see what I have been and what I am, and fear what I may become. Most High King, Thou hast lit up my understanding and inflamed my will with its most exalted object. Thou hast entirely drawn me on to seek Thee, and I wish to make this known to all mortals in order that they may leave me in peace and I them, I am for my beloved. Canticles 2.16 And, although I am unworthy, my beloved is for me. Strengthen then O Lord, my weakness that I may run after Thee, and reaching Thee, I may never leave Thee or lose Thee. 51. Very short and stammering is this chapter for this matter could fill many books, but I refrain, because I do not know how to speak and I am an ignorant woman. My sole object has been to explain how the Virgin Mother has been formed and preordained in the Divine Mind before the ages, Ecclesiasticus 24:14. That which I have seen over and above concerning this highest mystery transforms my interior. And in silent admiration, makes me praise the author of such magnificence in company with the blessed saying, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Sabaoth, Isaiah 6 3.